Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. April 17th, 2016. Hello, welcome to the FC Podcast. I'm Bobby, thanks for hanging out today. Before the message, let me fill you in on what's happening right now at Foundations Church. Pizza with the Pastors is May 22nd from 5.30 to 7 p.m. New attendees, here's your chance to see what Foundations Church is all about, and it's a great next step for anyone who's thinking about becoming a member. It's free, but space is limited, so sign up at foundationschurch.tv to reserve your space. June 4th at 8 a.m. is the FC Golf Tournament at Bailey Ranch Golf Club in Owasso. This is a fundraiser to benefit our kids and youth camps, so if golf is your game, or even if it isn't, come out swinging and send some kids to camp in the process. You can register at foundationschurch.tv golf. And now, continuing with the Timothy Project series, here's Pastor Justin Graves. This past week, we sent our video crew out to video people from our church working out. Um, and we just wanted to show you all the people that are doing it wrong. Hey, uh, my name's Justin Graves, pastor here at Foundation Church, and we are so glad to have you here today. Um, before we get started, can I just get, well, I'm gonna count to three, because otherwise we'll all do this wrong. But on rainy days, it seems like sometimes our energy is like, here we're like, it's raining, I'm depressed. But I want to just give out a big, this is not spiritual whatsoever, just so you know. Um, but just a big woo, like that when I get to three. One, two, three. There you go. Okay, so everybody's awake. We are, um, we're here, and we're in the Timothy Project, and that had nothing to do with anything, but don't you feel better? Um, today, I want to talk to you about, uh, in continuing our series, about being in training. Uh, the, the name Timothy means one whose life honors God, one who honors God, and that's really the goal, the purpose of this whole series. And as we showed you on video today, there's a lot of people that don't know what they're doing in the gym. Um, when it comes to, tra- and you may really, I'm not trying to make fun of anyone right now, you may not know how to work weight machines or gym machines, and you don't know how to work the exercise machines, and you would be one of these people, if you walked in, you're like, I have no idea what I am doing right now, um, that, that would be you. And there's a lot of people in, in our world, just in our society, we don't know what we're doing when it comes to getting in better shape, getting into physical shape, and how to train our bodies physically. And and Paul said, he starts talking in 1 Timothy about not just the physical training, but the spiritual training. And for a lot of us, it's not so much that we don't know how to physically train our body, but as followers of Christ, we don't know how to really spiritually train ourselves. 
And, and Paul said it this way in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 through 8. He says, do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourselves to be godly. And I've read this, this book in the Bible so many times, and that little passage has escaped me. Train yourselves to be godly. You know, I think a lot of times we think, and I'm gonna go to verse eight in just a second, but I think a lot of times we think, well, you just say a prayer and um, you ask God to make you godly. And, and hear me, today, sal that's salvation, man. You don't earn salvation. You don't get to be good enough to be saved. You don't get to be good enough uh, to be one of God's children. It is a pure gift. And so you don't earn it. You don't do certain acts. But Paul is saying this, being godly is not the same as salvation. Salvation is a prayer you pray and you believe and you receive God in your heart and he changes you and you're his. But Paul's telling Timothy this, if you're gonna become godly, which godly is just becoming more like God and less like you, he increases and you decrease. If you're going to become godly, you've got to train yourselves to be godly. Verse eight says this, physical training is good. He's not dissing physical training, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. So just as there's many people who don't know how to do the physical training, and I will tell you, as somebody that goes to the gym pretty regularly, when you see things that you shouldn't see at the gym, you can't stop looking at it. You're just like, you can't do that in public, you know? And you're just like, what are you doing right now? Um, you know, it's burned in and etched into your memory. It just there's, as some of us don't know what we're doing physically, here's the reality. Many of us, I can ask you this question and you could have gone to church for years and years, grown up in church, or maybe you're new to this whole church thing, but I ask you this question and you don't know how to answer it, how do you train yourself to be godly? How do you train yourself? Because that's what Paul's instructing Timothy. Train yourself to be godly. How does that happen? Because as followers of Christ, we really need to know that answer. As people that are supposed to be coming more like him, and, and if we're gonna live a life, the whole goal of this, a life that is honoring to God, we've got to know how to train ourselves to be godly. And so today I wanna kind of unlock the answer to that question. The first thing is this, if you are gonna train yourself to be godly, in order to train yourself, you have to control yourself. It's the first step. In order to train yourself, you have to control yourself. Um, when, when we go to physical training, we'll stay in this vein a little bit. Um, physical training, if you're going to get in physical shape and you're going to go through training, that requires you going to a gym or exercising on a regular basis. Exercising and moving and lifting weights and doing it once a week or once a month isn't going to cut it. Some of you are like, ah, now I know why this isn't working out for me. Um, it, it's not going to cut it. It's good. Consistency is the key. You being cons consistently being there helps. If you are going to uh, uh, get in physical shape and you're going to go through physical training, here's the hardest part of it for me is you can't eat what you want to eat anymore. 
You can't have biscuits and gravy for breakfast every morning with bacon. And uh, I mean, you, you can't eat pizza and chicken fried steak and mashed potatoes and biscuits and rolls. And I think I should get product placement points, by the way, um, when I preach about food in my sermons, because you guys always go out and eat what I preach about. Um, it's like suggestive, like marketing, but um, you know, you, you can't do that. You have to have self-control, and self-control is simply this, control of self. You have to have control of yourself. And if you and I, if we're going to train ourselves to be more godly, then you and I, we've got to get control of ourself. Paul said this, in 2 Timothy chapter three, verses one through three, it says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money. They'll be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful, and they will consider nothing sacred. Verse three, they will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They'll be cruel and hate what is good. Can I tell you, we as a society, we as a world, we as churches, we have no self-control. We don't control ourselves very well. We don't control ourselves in a whole lot of areas. When it comes to our spending, we have no self-control. When it comes to our habits, we have no self-control. We just don't control ourselves very well. And if you and I here, if you and I, we're going to become more like him, we have got to control ourselves because you can't go through training and not control yourself. So if we're gonna become more godly, if we're gonna have more self-control, there's a couple of things we've gotta do spiritually that are huge for us. And the first one is this, is you've got to get in your Bible because it is like your personal trainer. And I mean this, that you have got to get in your Bible. This is a crucial aspect for every follower of Christ. Well, I don't need the Bible. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. For a follower of Christ to think, well, I don't need the Bible. Here, it, it, it is so transformational in the life of a believer. When, when uh, about a year ago, we got a trainer, me and one of my buddies, Derek, and we got a trainer, and we know somewhat what to do in the gym. And we would go through motions, and we knew what exercises worked what, but when we would go through the motions, our trainer would tell us, hey, Justin, your form's bad. Derek, your form's bad. You need to do it this way. You need to do it that way. It'll bring a better result. He pushed us in new areas. He brought better form to areas, and he told us what we were doing wrong and showed us what to do right. And check out what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 through 17. It says, you've been taught the holy scriptures from childhood. And they've given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God. Everybody say all scriptures. This is huge. All scriptures are inspired by God, not just the ones you agree with. Not just the ones that fit your political viewpoint. Oh, dang, did he just say that? He just said that. All scriptures are inspired by God. Even the ones that don't make you feel real good. 
All scriptures are inspired by God, and here's the point of them. Here's what they do, and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Now, let's leave this up here just for a little bit. This is what the Bible does in our lives. So why is the biggest struggle for followers of Christ is to read their Bible? If I asked you the hardest thing about having a devotional life, it probably wouldn't be prayer because you can do that in the car, but most of us really struggle being in the Word of God. And can I tell you, if we're going to train ourselves to become more godly, this is huge that we get ourselves in the Word of God because it teaches you what is wrong and what is right. It corrects, it rebukes, and, and hear me, it doesn't just show you what all is wrong with you because that would take forever for me right here. I'd be like, okay, God, okay, God, okay, God, next page, please, next page, next page. You know, um, it doesn't just show you what you've done is wrong. It equips you to do what is right. It equips you to do the work that God has for you. We've got to, got to, got to, got to get in the word of God and start reading it and start applying it to our life so that it can make the change, so that it can make us more godly. Because if we're gonna train to be more godly, you can't do it without being in the Word of God. The Word of God, it, it, I, I use this illustration a lot, but it's just so applicable and true. The Word of God is so much like sunscreen. We're getting ready to come in to the, the tanning season, and sunscreen only works, sunscreen does not work if you buy sunscreen. You know what I'm saying? You're like, I bought sunscreen, I'm all good. Nobody says that. You know what I'm saying? You're like, I will not get sunburnt because I bought sunscreen. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work if you buy sunscreen and you put it in a prominent place in your house and you're like, this is the family sunscreen right here. And you put it on a shelf and it collects dust. You know, this is our family Bible. This is our family sunscreen that, that doesn't make any it's not gonna keep you from getting burnt. It's not gonna keep you from, it's not enough to have sunscreen by you when you go outside. It's not enough to lift the cap off the sunscreen and be like, I just like the smell of sunscreen. This should, this should do it. It's not enough just to have it open. You have to apply sunscreen for it to work. And hear me, it's not enough to own a Bible. It's not enough to read the Bible. To have a Bible near you, to have a Bible in your house. I say this all the time, but it is just simply true. Our problem is not information. Our problem is application. If there's gonna be transformation, there's gotta be information plus application because that always brings transformation. And many of us, the reason there's no transformation is because we've just been relying on our information. We know the word, but we're not applying the word. And if you and I are going to become more godly, if we're gonna train our to stop dealing with the same addictions and the same habits and being the same person. If we're gonna become more like him and less like us, we have got to apply the word of God to our lives and not just simply glance at it and read at it and be like, oh, that is really good for someone else. 
It's the application of the word that brings life change, that brings correction. If we're going to get in spiritual shape, if we're gonna become more godly, we have to get in the Bible. The second thing is this, is your life has to become about obedience rather than feelings. Your life has to become about obedience rather than feelings. Um, I have a jar of peanut M&Ms in my office, church office up here, and if you know me very well, you know I love peanut M&Ms. Um, I imagine it's gotta be what like being addicted to crack feels like because um, I can barely leave the stuff alone. And it's just, it's literally sits in a glass jar in my desk. And the reason I have peanut M&Ms there, some of you are like, well, just remove it. Um, but uh, we have a lot of kids that come up every once in a while to the church. And so when kids come in, and this is a very delicate balance, not to be the creepy pastor. Um, but I'm like, hey, kids, you, <laughs> it sounds so creepy when I say it out loud. <laughs> hey, kids, you want any candy? And um, I'm like, you come into my office. But I don't want to be like the scary pastor that's like six foot six. He's like, I am naked. You know, get out of here. And so I've got some peanut M&Ms. And some of you are like, but why do you want kids in your office? It's kind of weird. It, it's, it's, I promise it's, it comes from a good intention. It's kind of the whole balance of, you know, the ice cream truck. Anyways. Um, and so I've got it there so that it can make kids happy to come to church, kind of. And so it sits there all the time. And I have got to control myself. What I, what I feel like doing is gorging myself and having early onset diabetes every day and just being like chocolate all over my face and my hands be colored everywhere and be like, this is great, you know, and staff comes in, I'm like, what do you guys wanna do? What do you guys wanna do? What do you guys wanna do? Because I'm on such a sugar rush. That's, that's what, that sounds great. That, that would make me feel good for a little bit. But, what I know the right thing and the better thing for my health and for my life is to do is to leave the M&Ms alone. And for some of us here, we think, well, I'm just gonna wait till temptation's no longer around me. I'm gonna wait till temptation is no longer tempting and, and, and then I'll start becoming a godly life, but you're gonna, you're gonna die before that happens. Temptation is always gonna be there. You're always gonna have your jar of M&M's staring you at the face. And Jesus said this in John 14, verse 15, and then we're gonna to go to verse 21. It says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Those who know my commands and obey them are the ones who love me. My Father will love those who love me. I will love them and show myself to them. First Peter chapter one, verse 13 through 16 says this. So prepare your minds for action, and here's the word again, and exercise self-control, control over self. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now, you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. See, the, 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 the idea, the purpose, is that you and I would constantly become more like him and less like us. 
that we would constantly be changing, that we would constantly become more like him. And if that's going to happen, man, it's got to become about obedience rather than feelings. Most of us, we're living our life based on how we feel. The world says, man, do what feels good, but that's not what the Bible says. Jesus says, those who love me obey my commands. And you know what? If you're going to obey his commands, that means you've got to control yourself. You've got to have self control. And whether you are a teenager or a college student or a full-grown adult and you're living on it, man, you have got to control your, so you can't just go through life doing what feels good. Otherwise, if you do that, you're going to be filled with a whole lot of regret and a whole lot of wishing for mulligans and redos. But if you'll be obedient, can I tell you, I've never, ever, ever, ever regretted living a righteous life. I'm getting ready to turn 40 years old in a few weeks. 40 is not the new 30. The only people saying 40 is the new 30 is everybody that's turning 40. It's not. 40 is 40 is 40 is 40. But I was looking at, talk, talking to my wife, and she goes, so, how do you feel? You're turning 40. You're getting old. I'm like, you're right. I'm, I'm starting to get old. And I go, you know what, Case? I go, I'll be real honest. I go, I feel great. I go, I don't have a whole lot of regrets because I've really, I've not been perfect, but I've really tried to do the right thing that God's called me to do. And I look back at my last 40 years, oh, my 40 years, my next 40 years, um, Tim McGraw. Um, but <laughs> I know it's next 30 years, but still, 40 works a lot better. But I just look back on it, and I'm just thankful. I'm thankful because I didn't live my life based on how I always felt. Oh, I did stupid stuff. Ask my dad. I did so much stupid, stupid, stupid stuff. But I didn't do stuff that just, I blew it and I regretted because I chose to live my life based on obedience rather than feeling. And hear me, if you and I are going to train ourselves spiritually, if we're going to train ourselves to become more godly, man, you got to live your life in obedience rather than feelings. And if you do that, hear me, you won't regret it. You won't regret it. But if you do the opposite and you live your life based on feelings rather than obedience, I'm telling you, you're going to be full of regret and wish you had done it the other way. Second thing I would tell you is this. If we're going to live a life that is being trained to be godly is that we have to learn what to flee from and what to pursue after. We have to learn what to flee from and what to pursue after. First Timothy chapter six, verse nine through 14 says this, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, not money, but the love of it, wanting it more and more and more, the myth of more, the monster of more, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. But you, Timothy, <laughs> I love this distinction. This is how the world's behaving. This is how the world's pursuit what they're pursuing. This is what they're going after. And, and let me tell you, this is where we are as a society and a culture, even in, within the church. It is all about, I'm gonna get a little just honest. Even within our churches, if you're a rich person, all of a sudden you're a power person. That's messed up. That's just dumb. 
That makes no sense. If you give this much an offering, well, wow, you're really welcome. No, 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 that's not how we play it here. That's why I don't count the offering. That's why I don't know who gives in the offering. You know why? Because I just want to love, love, love people. Some of you are like, well, now I don't have to give in the offering. <laughs> give in the offering. <laughs> but we say, man, this is, what, this is what is important. This is influence. This is power. This is the dream. And that's what our society is pursuing. But Paul says this to Timothy, one whose life is honoring God, but you, Timothy, that's not what you're to pursue. That's not what your life is supposed to be completely dominated and all about. And can I be real honest? Many of us, we have pursued money a whole lot more than we've pursued God. We have pursued the American dream way more than we have pursued a relationship with Jesus Christ and getting in his word because there's simply no urgency about it. Oh, there's an urgency to earn more money. We want more. There's an urgency, but we don't feel this urgency to have a relationship with Jesus, God, with Jesus Christ. And Paul says, but you, Timothy, are a man of God. So run from all these evil things. He didn't just tell him, hey, hey, stop running like everybody else says. Stop going after what everybody else says. But pursue, don't just flee, but start chasing after something. Pursue righteousness and a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Can I tell you, you gotta fight for it. If you're gonna live a godly life, man, you gotta be ready every morning to fight for it. It's not something that's easily obtained. You gotta fight the good fight for the real, true, genuine faith. And you know what the real, true, genuine faith contains? It contains all that he told Timothy to pursue. Pursue righteousness and a godly life with faith and love and perseverance and gentleness. Man, that's the real deal. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses, and I charge you before God, who gives life to all and before Christ Jesus, who gave a good testimony before Pontius Pilate, that you obey this command without wavering. Without wavering. Without shaking. Without flinching, man, that you just obey it and you pursue it. He says this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Well, that just encompasses about everything. Run from anything. I'm just spending my life running, baby. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Some of you smart alecks are like, but you're almost 40, so you don't have youthful lust anymore. Um, you have old man lust. Uh, but run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Here's a simple truth today. You and I are chasing after we're pursuing something, and the question is, what is that something? What is the something you're spending your whole life trying to build? What's the reputation? What are you trying to be known for? What, what, what are you running after relentlessly? What are you thinking about every morning when you go to, I mean, when you get up from bed and every night when you go to bed? We're pursuing and we're chasing after something, 
But for many of us, you know what? We're pursuing the wrong thing. And Paul's charge to us as the Timothy Project, as people who are desiring to train ourselves to be godly, to train ourselves to live lives that honor God, is this, is flee from all that stuff and pursue all this that God has for you. As I close, um, I remember middle school, or not middle school, elementary school in about fourth grade, there was a girl named Jennifer Robinson. And Jennifer Robinson, the, re- the reason I remember her name is Jennifer Robinson was the fastest girl in our school. And fourth, fourth grade at recess time consisted of, on a good day, tag. If you could find a ball that wasn't confiscated by the PE teacher with the tight shorts and the whistle, like, give me that ball, kid. Um, you could play wall ball or soccer, which always turned into rugby. But um, when there was no, you know, a ball to play with like a bunch of dogs, we played tag. And Jennifer Robinson was about the only girl that would play tag with us. And man, can I tell you, if you got tagged by a girl and you couldn't tag her back, even though you weren't a man, it diminished your manhood at a very early onset stage of boyhood. I mean, you were just like, all the guys were like, I can't believe you got tagged by a girl. And it was okay if you got tagged by a girl, but you had to go tag her back. And Jennifer, man, she was fast. This girl had some, I mean, just some speed on her. And so one thing that I, I, I had to, I mean, you guys are like, well, your legs are so long, they should be so fast. I move like a giraffe. It takes forever to get one leg in front of the other. It's like, you can feel the wind. I mean, it's insane. And so one thing that I discovered is this, when it was about catching and tagging Jennifer, and the reason I chased Jennifer was I might have had a little crush too, but... Um, is, was catching Jennifer was I had to focus just on catching her. Because when you're playing tag, there's other people that, you know, like weave between you. And I never wanted to pick on the slow kid, you know, that always played tag that you just, when you got tired, you're like, you're it, I'm done. You know, it's just, I'm sorry you only have one leg, but you're it. You know, um, you, you just, so I had to literally focus on catching Jennifer and what, running and catching her. And finally, if I didn't chase after anybody else, I would catch her and she would be it. And my question this morning is, what are you chasing after? Because eventually you're gonna catch it. Eventually you're gonna get it. And are you gonna be satisfied with what you attain? Can I tell you, when you attain this godly life that's full of righteousness and full of peace and love and gentleness, and perseverance, and steadfastness, and peace. I say that, and we're like, yes, but why aren't we pursuing that? It's because we don't wanna train ourselves to go after the godly thing. We want to commit to the easy thing. We wanna go after the thing that's that just easy and, and doesn't take any commitment. But this morning, I'm asking you to go after something that you have to commit to, something that you have to keep in your gaze and go after. Because that's how we train ourselves to become godly, is that we choose to live our life out of obedience and we choose to pursue the God thing instead of just anything. As I close this morning, um, this past week I lost my keys. I lost my keys on Tuesday, 
after Chloe's soccer practice. I made it home with my keys. I made it home with the kid, my keys. We get into the house, we start eating, and the next morning I start looking for my keys and I cannot find my keys anywhere. And I hate losing my keys. Um, in fact, I have, I, I've lost my keys one time before ever in my life. It's almost like losing your cell phone or your wallet. You just don't know where it is. And you're like, you know, you've got this small panic. You're like, I don't know how I'm going to make it without my cell phone. Um, I, I just, so I start ripping up couches. I start going through everything. I'm like, I'm going to find this thing. I'm going to find this thing. And I'm lifting couches up. I've got Casey looking under it. Um, i retracing my steps. I went through the, um, the kitchen again and started looking through that. I, I'm going everywhere, trying everything. Went and looked in my truck. People after the first service was like, did you try this? Did you try? I'm telling you, I have done it all. And I still can't find my keys. And so finally I come to the place where I'm like, I'm going to have to go do this and I don't want to do this. But I went out into our dumpster and I sorted through the trash. And I gotta tell you, even when it's your own trash, it's gross. There's not, it's just gross. And I'm sorting through food and coffee grinds and just grossness. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm just dry heaving a little bit out there. Just, you know, while I'm going through stuff. And I'm just going, this, this, this isn't worth it. You know, this, but I still was consumed. And here's the deal. I, I've got news for you today because I always do this. I always tell the story and never tell you how it's resolved. I still haven't found my keys. Still haven't found them. And I'm still like crazy. And in the middle of me going through the trash, in the middle of me just going, this is so gross. Why am I doing this? And I'm this consumed with keys. God planted this thought, how much more I am consumed with those who are running from me. Man, if you're this consumed about keys, how much do you think I'm consumed about my kids, about my children? And there's nowhere you can go there's nothing you can get into. There's not too big of a mess that he won't get in it with you and that he won't rescue you. And some of you, you know what? The simple truth is you've been running. You've been hiding. You've been trying to do it on your own and you don't have to. You think you're disqualified. You think you've hidden everything away and you're just running and running and you're like these lost kids. But can I tell you, God won't ever stop chasing you. He won't ever keep going. He won't ever stop going after you. In fact, it says this in Psalms 29. It just talks about where can I go from the presence of God? If I go up to the skies, he's there. If I go to the grave, he's there. If I try to hide myself in darkness, darkness becomes light. There's nowhere I can hide from him. And God, unlike my keys, he has never lost sight of you. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you've done. And just like I would take those keys back, even if it was in the, the filth of my trash, God would take you back like that. All you got to do is ask. All you got to do is stop pursuing this and go after the life that God has for you. Can we pray? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Lord, this morning, we love you. And we thank you. God, I pray for all of us that we've been, man, we've been doing church for a while. But Lord, we would not become any more godly. We haven't become, our life isn't one that honors you. It's one that honors us. We've been pursuing the wrong thing. God, I pray let us take a real honest look today because a lot of us, we've been living our life based on our feelings rather than our obedience. And so, Lord, this morning I pray 
Show us what we've made life about and instead turn us and show us what life could be. And let us chase after that. Let us have an urgency. God, a much bigger urgency than I had for these keys. Lord, let us have an urgency to chase after that. And let us, as Paul directed Timothy, train ourselves to be more like you, to be more godly. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you say, Justin, I'm here. You know what? I've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Maybe you're here and you just say, Justin, you know what? I'm just not at the place I need to be in my relationship with Jesus Christ. You've been hiding, you've been running, you think, man, I'm disqualified. There's no way God would want me. Can I tell you, he's just waiting. He's just waiting. So this morning, I'm gonna count to three, and if that's you, all I want you to do is raise your hand and start pursuing after a life God has for you. One, two, three. Is there anyone here this morning you say, Justin, that's me. There's one hand, there's two hands, Is there, there's three hands, there's four hands. Is there anyone else you join these four hands that are lifted? You say, Justin, that's me today. Man, that's me. And I don't want to stay where I'm at. I want to start going after what God has for me. I, I've been running, I've been hiding. Is there anyone else you join these four hands that are lifted before we go any further in service? Yeah, I see your hand. Is there anyone else? You join these five hands that are raised. Anyone else? If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today and I confess that I've just, I've messed up and that I've sinned, but I ask for your forgiveness. I ask that your love and grace would enter my life. I turn away from the life that I was running after to pursue the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Can we give these five individuals that raise their hand a huge round of applause? Yeah. We do this. If you were one of these five individuals, maybe you, you meant to raise your hand. You're just too nervous. You were like, are they going to call me out? Are they going to walk me to a room? But you prayed the prayer. Do this for us. If you said that prayer and meant it from your heart, take your cell phone out and text the word response to 24587. We would love to send some information right to your phone to help you on your journey. Also, if that was you made this decision today, or maybe this is your first time here, maybe you've got questions about the church, maybe you would like prayer because you're going through something, stop by our Connect Center. When you're going out to lobby, hang a left. We've got people in there that would love to meet you, love to shake your hand, love to greet you and answer any questions, pray with you. Whatever they can do to serve you, that is why they are there. Let me also say one thing. We have a small group, a connect group, that meets every semester that is training people how to be more godly. This is exactly what the, this connect group, all of our connect groups are discipleship oriented, but really helping with that next step. Some of us, we don't know the next step, and it's called Alpha, and we're gonna be offering this again in the fall. But if that's you, man, go get signed up for Alpha next fall, because it is a huge resource that we have that a lot of us just aren't taking advantage of, and it would help you so, so 
much. Now, here's what I want us to do. I've been trying to give us homework each week. For us that are followers of Christ, us that are all pursuing after God, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home, and I want you, as an individual, not as a couple, as an individual, to write down and make a list of what you're in pursuit of right now. And just be real honest. Be real honest. Just be real transparent. And this is what my life is in pursuit of. This is what it's all about. And on the backside, what I want you to do is start writing down what you want to start pursuing, what you want your life to become about, and how to take tangible steps in seeing that become a reality. Because you can only chase and you can only catch one thing at a time. And so I'm telling you, chase after the godly life. Train yourselves to be godly. You won't regret it. If you'll stand with me across this building, Shannon and the worship team are going to lead us in worship. They'll dismiss us. Let me say this. Thank you for letting me pastor the greatest church. Man, I love you guys. I hope you have a great rest of your weekend, and we will see you guys next Sunday. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv. 